0: It's time for the Retire ASAP podcast. Here's your host, Taylor Fike.
1: Welcome to the Retire ASAP show where our goal is to get you free from work as soon as possible. My name is Taylor Fike and I have my co-host, the infamous, or maybe the famous, or maybe the the not famous, Brad Fike.
0: I would say not so famous. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting famous at.
1: Well, I would I would call you, the area we live in, Wayne County, I would call you Wayne County famous because it used to be, if I go anywhere in town, hey, Brad, how's it going? Now, I don't know if that's a good kind of famous, but you couldn't go anywhere without someone wanting to talk to you for five, ten minutes.
0: And that still exists, um, <laughs> but I don't know if I call that famous. It's just maybe I've been around.
1: <laughs> you've been you've been around town <laughs> as as if Worcester's this big town. To I've been be around town huh? a little bit. <laughs> we're we're small town Ohio living, so I guess it's really not all that impressive that everyone knows you. Huh?
0: No, it's just from growing up back in the day. You know, everybody hung out in the same places and. That's how you met people, you know, and so uh, over the years, they just, just, you run into them all the time and they become friends, I guess.
1: Okay. Well, we decided on the podcast, Brad's not actually famous i gee, okay. maybe in, in his just, own mind
0: you just deflated my chest it was all chest was puffed out now it's deflated
1: yeah, that's right so that's you know i'll
0: take the non-famous route
1: non-famous I, I feel like that's probably the easier one you don't need paparazzi following you around anyway i'd
0: rather be known as the financial yoga guy
1: yo guy I, I don't think anybody but a few listeners on this podcast know you as that
0: I'm pretty sure that's correct.
1: That's <laughs> well, anyway, welcome to our show where we talk all about retirement and getting you retired as soon as possible. So we've been going through this series, Five Dumb Things That Smart People Believe. Now, we're not calling you dumb. We're just saying that what you believe is dumb. No, I'm just teasing. So the reality is that there's a lot of smart people out there. Um, and way smarter than me, which is what's kind of funny when we have these conversations, is that they're way more intelligent than you or I, Brad, but they come in here and they say, this is what I believe, and we have to dispel a myth because the reality is there's tons of things out there that if you're not an expert in a field or you're not looking at it every day or you don't do your research, it's easy to fall into the trap of believing maybe something that's not fully true. And when you break it down and you look at it, really smart people go, oh, I can't believe I believe that. And so we've worked through a bunch of them. We talked a little bit about annuities. We talked about stock picking. And we talked about people's 401ks and how those might affect their retirement. We have two more. because we're doing five things. So this week is week number four or episode number four on this series. We're talking about market timing. This is everybody's favorite. I feel like this is probably the most had conversation with people when it comes to investing. It's a
0: continual conversation that never goes away. Now, usually if a client brings it up in a severe emotional state and once explained and agreed upon, they usually do not bring it up ever again, Right. but it's those who don't discuss it and uh, have sleepless nights over it. Cause people have sleepless
1: nights over the market. Can you believe that? I, you know, I do believe that cause I'm the one who fields a lot of those phone calls or has <laughs> those meetings. I'm sitting there and they go, I'm just really stressed out about this. And the question is why are you stress? Shouldn't you, you know what the expectations are, and hopefully those are being met, and a lot of times they aren't. So let's explain a little bit about what market timing is, because this is a normal conversation in our industry. We talk about it all the time amongst advisors or professionals in this world, but sometimes people don't understand exactly what we mean when we talk about market timing.
0: Well, market timing is usually started by an emotion, right? It's Mm -hmm. usually people that Okay, let's say we go through our process and we've decided what kind of risk you're in. We have you in a portfolio and the news media starts going off and some big prognosticator gets on there and says, I'm telling you, the market is is due to just blow up. It's going to collapse. And then they change a channel and there's a different guy on there and he's saying the same thing that these guys are all trying to capitalize on fear and emotion at, at a time when people start, you know, we have a lot of crap going on in the, in the world right now. So it's a very high level of emotion going on due to COVID and everything else around it. So these guys come out of the woodwork and they're selling a book or a newsletter that they know how to time the market and that you should get out now. And then buy my newsletter, by the way, at forty nine ninety five a month or a year or whatever. And I'll
1: tell you when to get back in. And I'll
0: tell you when to get back in because the light does turn red and the light does turn green. And I know exactly when that's going to change. So anyhow, that creates emotion. People listen to that and it's, it's rampant right now. And so they come in and it, with a little bit of fear or anxiety of, you know, well, I think the market's going to, you know. I just had a conversation not even a half hour ago in a phone conversation about uh, the husband had fear. He's watching too much news and he knows it, but he's got a lot of fear. He thinks the markets are going to collapse. So we went through a good part of that conversation on the fact that what if we go to cash today? Mm-hmm. And what if the market continues to run, it goes up, up and up and up, and you missed out on all that? Right. And let's say that we take you out today and go to cash and the market collapses and you go, well, that was a good day. Yeah. Well, when are you going to get back in? That's the other Mm -hmm. side of that coin. See, there's two sides to that. So that is, you know, really the big thing with market timing is mostly it's an emotional thing created by an outside source, usually the news or someone in the news. And therefore, then people start getting it in their head that I need to go to cash or, even dial my wrist down to a, a level that was not discussed previously, right? right? And if you've done a good job as an advisor, and we've uh, we've tried to do a good job, but there's always those uh, you know outliers out there that you discuss this when you first invest, but people forget, and I understand that. I mean, I forgot what happened yesterday, <laughs> so I mean, this sure. is what happens, right? Sure, sure. So sure. when that emotional state hits, then we have you know those
1: discussions. So you're telling me. That there are people out there that go on TV, or they write books, or they send out email chains, and what they're telling you is, I know when the market's going to go down, and I'm going to tell you when to get out, and I know when the market's going to go up, so I'll tell you when to get back in. And are they right? Well, they'll tell you they're right. (laughs) They all. Well, then what, what kind of job do we have? I think I think our job's useless if those guys exist. I don't
0: know. I don't know why the guy's telling anybody else. He should be sipping cocktails on his own island. That's if true. he's that good, he owns his own island now. Yeah. He doesn't need to tell anybody or sell a book
1: or a newsletter. But selling your book. The big money's in getting in and out of the market in the right times, yeah, right? Yeah, and don't tell anybody. Why would you give them your secret? Yeah, that's your trade secret because all of a sudden, now everyone's doing what you're doing. All It doesn't work anymore. You do it right. You got more money than George Soros. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> When you start breaking it down the the fallacy of timing the market just doesn't make sense. There if there were clear indicators that someone could target and and you know there's a lot of guys that will tell you that I'm so smart. I'm way smarter than you, I'm way smarter than everybody around me that I can figure this out. I know the clear signs of when to get in and when to get out. If those really did exist, then why why would you need to have investment advice why would the markets ever go down you know if if you could get out before the markets go down and get back in before they go up the reality is no one would the markets would never go down that that people would only experience gains and that would be just that would be wild so the the randomness and the efficiency of the market would be out the window if you could really time all that up but the problem is is that market timing is based on this idea that someone can tell what 7 billion people all over the world are thinking and feeling right now in this moment, and they know what those 7 billion people are going to do with their money today, tomorrow, in the next six months, or the next 12 months, and that they're going to guess what that is, and you're going to make money off of that. Bingo. That's, it's almost impossible. Perfectly said. If you don't know what your own emotions are, which I trust me, if I have a hard enough time reading my own emotions... Or even my wife's emotions. If I go home and I misread an emotion, I'm in trouble. That happens on a pretty regular basis because I'm not very good at this. How am I supposed to do that for 7 billion people if I can't even do it for one or two? Totally impossible. So the idea of market timing is this fallacy, but I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about it, is it's based on emotion. It's based on fear. People love to play on fear. I don't know. I don't have the statistics off the top of my head, but I bet you the number of people in 2008 and 2009 that got out of the stock market and removed themselves from investing because of the fear that was being touted on TV. I remember there's a news clip that we have from one of our money managers that they send around. The guy on TV said about a month before the market started coming back up after 2008, so like early 2009, the guy on TV saying, they're never, ever, ever, ever coming back. And he has a really cool accent, so it just sticks in my head. Never, ever, ever. Never, ever coming back. And then a month later, the market start ticking up. And then since 2009, we've had almost a bull market up until COVID, which is crazy. And we're still into another growth cycle, it looks like, in the markets again. So you look at this, you go... Did they never ever come back? If you listen to that guy specifically, are you still sitting in cash and you missed out on the last two or three hundred percent of market growth? I, probably. And so the danger of trying to time the market and listening to those people and playing the ones that are playing on your fear is that you can't let emotions make long-term decisions for your investing.
0: Yeah, and and I mentioned it earlier. There is no red light or green light. So I mean, if it was as simple as the red lights flashing today, get out or buy all bonds and get out of the stock side of it. And let's say that works. Let's say you you jump at, you jump stop at the red light and you go off the tracks and you buy all bonds or you go to cash. And then you're going, okay, here I am, three months, four months, five months. When's that green light coming on? Because yeah. I don't know when to get back in. And by the time the markets start coming back, they come back so slowly, right? They're very volatile coming out of a out of a decline as they are volatile going into a decline. It's no clear-cut ledge. There is ledge days where the market collapses for a day, but it's it's usually a very uh, jagged edge going Mm -hmm. into a a correction and coming out. So there's no clear sign. It says, oh, glory days ahead, jump back in. So now you're sitting there. I, I was fearful. I jumped out. Now I got to get back in, but I don't know when. And there's still a lot of these guys saying it's not ready yet. Mm -hmm. And the market shoots up and you're like, all excited. And then the next day it shoots back down. It shoots back up, shoots back down. You're like, oh, and every day it goes down. You're like, oh, it's not over yet. So I'm not going in. And why it's going up and down like that daily, the market is creeping slowly back up. You just right. don't notice it because you're caught in the day-to-day activity. You're right? too
1: zoomed into what's right in front of you. If you zoom out, you see the trend that's actually yes, happening. But
0: you can't you're not going to zoom out because you're like a snake in the grass. I'm caught in the blades of grass right in my face, which is what the market did today. So I sit in cash and I sit in cash and I sit in cash. And then maybe two or three months later the market's now look, clear signs it's up you know 10% or whatever the number is and you go well i think i'll get in now well you just missed probably 10 15 20% of your money coming back out of it right the 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 greatest some of the greatest returns not i'm not going to say the greatest but some of the greatest returns are when that thing corrects and comes back up yeah and you got to be in it to win it. You can't be sitting on the sidelines saying, well, it's not quite there yet because it's just zigzagging every day. There's no way to know when to get out and when to get in and time it perfectly.
1: Right. Now, that's funny, though, because I, I remember we did some research into a, uh, into a money manager that is a tactical money manager. Um, And so tactical is one of those things. It's a a hot topic and especially was about three or four years ago for us because we were trying to investigate to see what's the legitimacy of this tactical investing and what tactical investing is, is they follow trends and they have algorithms, and they're looking at certain signs. They're active managers. They're buying only specific companies and stocks. Sometimes their portfolios are very small. Sometimes they're based on options. There's a lot of complexity within a tactical portfolio, but the general term is, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to limit your losses in the market. We're going to get you out before the market goes too far down, and we're going to get you back in when it's on its way back up. Now, here's the interesting thing. And this is one thing that I had to learn as, as we were investigating this tactical thing that you kept saying, you said, show me the real numbers. I don't want to see their hypotheticals. I don't want to see them talk about what their algorithms are doing and what they're seeing. And if you, he's, you said, I want to see actual client experience. And the, the interesting thing is, is that when client experience is produced, it's, it's not all that glorious. You're seeing lower average returns than if someone would have just sat there and rode out the storm. You know, If they would have went down with the market and came back up with the market, you're seeing that those types of numbers are, are long-term. The market averages are better than trying to time the market, at least historically. And now we'd have to probably produce those exact numbers to say what the facts are. But the idea is, is that even the tactical guys who say we have all the answers... They really don't have much of the answers, and actually, the, the funds that they had that we were following, they don't even exist anymore. It's almost like they swept those funds under the rug and started new funds to say, well, these ones are actually the ones that we were trying to do. Those old ones, are they're outdated. They're old models, and it, it's almost as if they, they can't admit the fact that they can't do it. So they just create new stuff and call it new, and it's almost like reselling the same old nasty stuff over and over again to try to get that idea of, it really does exist, we promise, we'll eventually strike gold someday.
0: Well, it's like the gold at the end of the rainbow. You know, they're changing their algorithms daily. Right. Well, we've gathered more information the last five years. We have totally different algorithms than we had five years ago. Therefore, I can't use those numbers that we had five years ago to give you some kind of client experience. Well, I mean, how do I know what a client experience is going to look like unless I know you know, some numbers from the past. Well, we don't look past. We look forward. This is what they'll use as an excuse. Mm-hmm. We only look forward. We don't look backwards. Well, if you're looking forward, then how do I know that you're forward looking is even going to find the goal at the end of the rainbow? <laughs> it right. I mean, me the rainbow moved. It's clear over in Georgia. Now it's not here in Ohio. So now <laughs> what are you going to do? Pack up, and move your algorithm. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's crazy stuff. Yeah. In other words, they're saying is we can't tell you what it's going to really look like, but we know it's going to work. Yeah, And then if it doesn't work, well, we got a new algorithm we think is going to work this better now. Well, I'm the guy better. with the money in there that isn't making any real money. So the whole factor of it is you're trying to do the sales pitch that you're going to eliminate the emotion of losing money, but you're not going to, you know, you're, we can't tell you what you're going to make. Right. That's basically what it looks like.
1: Well, and if you think about it, that sounds very similar to someone who has a gambling addiction. You know, it, this this is the, the same type of, justification they make as they're going to the casino. Well, I'm going to hit it one day. I got my system, you know, I got, whether it's counting their cards or playing their game or having whatever I have, my, I'm going to hit it one day. And the day that they hit it, they celebrate. But if you start doing all the math and you start adding up all the losses they had to get to their one big payday, they didn't really make any money. Yeah. It's the same thing with market timing. And the guys who the guys who are touting that they know the future, they may have something in their track record, which is really interesting because this money manager that I'm talking about that we investigated, he hit big. He made money in 2008. That's his claim to fame. Well, I had a, I had a good big return of double digits in 2008. When everyone was losing in the market, I made money. Well, the problem is is that you can only tout that you made money in 2008 for so long before all of a sudden all the bad years after that that uh, portfolio has had catches up with you, right? Yeah, yeah, you did strike big one time. You hit gold. But that doesn't mean you can repeat hitting gold. And a lot of times that just happens to be you got lucky. So it's not market timing. There's no system to it. The markets are random and unpredictable. You rolled the dice. You got, you know, double sixes on that one time. Good job. But can you constantly get double sixes on purpose not always. It's all about making money. After that, at that point, you're just not for the client. No, <laughs> no, for the guy who can bake it away, who says I have the reputation. It's just, it's unfortunate. Here, I wrote a book. I knew this was going to happen.
0: <laughs> okay, whatever. Yeah. Um. But you know that what's the There's one guy out there. He's written like six books. And I think he only timed it right once with his book, said it was going to be a big collapse. And he missed it by like seven or eight years. But then he came back and said, see, I told you it was going to happen. I told you. Well, that was like six or seven years after you wrote the book. Yeah. But he's using that now as well. I knew it was coming. I just didn't know when. But yet you had told people to buy gold and get out of the market and all that You know seven years before that so they didn't make any money for seven years then the market collapses and now all of a sudden you got a whole new theory and that it's just nuts. It's all about making money for the prognosticator or the money manager that's playing that game.
1: So we say this all the time on this podcast we say it all the time to our clients if it sounds too good to be true it probably is exactly and that's what market timing is it sounds so good. They are great salesmen. Anybody who wants to talk you into trying to time the market is a great salesman or saleswoman. They know what they're doing. They know how to play on your emotions. And the thing that you need to do when it comes to saving for retirement is take your emotions out. It is no longer an emotional game. The the side that you want to get your emotions involved in is trying to figure out what your retirement looks like, what kind of purpose you're going to have, what kind of things you're going to be doing, what things are you passionate about. Not about how you feel about your money in the market. Those need to be completely separated. You need to start looking at the statistics and you need to look at the long-term averages and you need to look at the risk built into your portfolio. Those are the types of things that you need to to cut your emotions out of and just make good logical decisions on your investments. And then you get emotional about, well, what do you want to do? Spend time with your grandkids, spend time, you know, sailing or golfing or whatever it is, that hobby or starting that side business you've always wanted to start. Those are the things you get emotional about. Get passionate about those things. Don't get passionate about what your returns are in your portfolio because those are are random and unpredictable. Yeah, and remember the markets do
0: go up and go down, and that's a good thing, right? right. Okay, let's let's use a couple examples here. So, a savings account in the bank doesn't ever go down, and it doesn't have any wild ride up ever. So. I mean, with the exception of early 2080s, let's not even talk about that. Inflation was still higher than what you were earning in your CD, so it doesn't matter. But let's just look at that. So what happens in a savings account, which doesn't fluctuate with no risk to it, you don't earn much of anything. You can't even keep up with inflation in a savings account. 99% of the time, probably. That's a guess statistic. Sure. Just guessing. But anyhow, now, if I look at the market side of it, if it goes up, great. And it can go down, which is it corrects itself. It's kind of like walking your dog down the sidewalk. I walk my dog down the sidewalk with a leash and it starts walking too fast. What do I do? I yank on its leash to pull the dog back. But I don't stop walking and the dog doesn't stop walking, maybe for a second. We start walking again. And that's basically what the market does. It goes up, it starts going too fast, gets too big, and it has to have a pullback or a correction. And then, But it doesn't stop. It doesn't end there it starts walking again, right? Right. That's healthy. That's good stuff. That's why there is potential returns in the market because it does have that up and down risk, right? right? If it had no risk, it would be a savings account kind of return. So if that's what you want, then go get a savings account. But if you're trying to grow your assets and so that you can retire comfortably and have a great life in the future, you got to be in the markets because that's where it's at. So if you try to time that, which is impossible because it historically... Always goes up and down. I think i read somewhere the average down correction market, down market is every two and a half or three years. Mm -hmm. So you can expect it to go down every two and a half or three years, and then it's going to come back up. It always has. There's no reason it won't in the future. We don't know what the future lies, so past doesn't tell us what the future is going to be. But the day the market stops going up, I say it's game over,
1: right? Right. Who cares what your dollar signs are anyway, right? Because... Here's the thing if, the, if this is the other thing that some of these guys on TV will say is that you know the dollar's going to be worthless the economy's going to collapse all these things are going to go down well if that's the case if your dollar becomes worthless or your stock investments your portfolio goes to zero if all that is true that means every company in your portfolio has gone out of business and is worth nothing that means that the dollar that you have in your bank account or in your portfolio or in your pocket right now is worth nothing Who cares? At that point, you have a much bigger thing to worry about than what your returns were or whether or not you got out of the market in time because it's worth nothing. And so you can't let that fear dictate how much you decide to take risk. You need to take your risk based off of your risk tolerance and what your goals are. And if you're not setting those goals and letting those goals and those logical decisions dictate how you invest your portfolio, then all of a sudden, you're letting that guy on TV pull your puppet strings and control your life. And you start talking about that in the the United States. Don't mess with somebody's rights, right? (laughs) Don't take away my right and freedom and my right to decide my own things. I'm fine with that. But all of a sudden, you've now given the puppet strings to some guy on that news channel and he's pulling you like a marionette. That's not fair. You're all of a sudden complaining about your rights and you're letting this guy on TV tell you what to do. Don't let emotions get involved with your money. It's just too nasty. Yeah,
0: and the other thing I hear is a lot of times people get close to retirement or are in retirement and they're like, look, I'm not worried about losing all my money. I'm not worried about that. I just can't afford to lose 20 or 30% of the value of my retirement account because I'm going to retire in two years or I'm retired now and it, it, it'll it take forever to come back. I'll just never survive it. Well, if you've done the right risk work ahead of time, we've already statistically projected that possibility to happen in your portfolio. It will be okay. You'll be Okay. Now, I can't guarantee everybody's okay because it just every situation's different. But I can tell you, if done properly, you'll be okay. Right. And it's hard to say that, but that's where I see a lot of the fear is people just don't want to see a 20 or 30% decline in their account because they don't think they'll ever recover and be able to have a great retirement. But they do. I've seen it for the last... 38 years i've been doing it i've seen it happen many 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 times where we've been through corrections people are in retirement or close to retirement and they freak out but then you look five years down the road and go look see it all worked out fine and you're still fine and you're going to be fine if you do it right but you got to do it right.
1: Yes. You need to see an advisor. You need to build a portfolio that's built for something like this. There's some portfolio engineering that goes on in the background. So, you know, we we kind of take that for granted sometimes in these conversations and in previous episodes we talk about how exactly you should be building and diversifying your portfolio. Those things are very important factors. And so, all this stuff that we're talking about It goes out the window if you're not listening to our stock picking episode and all you're doing is picking five or 10 stocks. A lot of this goes out the window because you're not investing in the market. You're investing in a handful of companies. Those are very different investment experiences. And so you need to build your portfolio properly. And to do that, you need to have a really good financial advisor who has experience. They understand how all this stuff works. They understand what your goals are and where you're heading. And they need to build something tailored to you that, that's exactly designed for your life and your experience. And so whatever we say here, you need to remember that you can't take this as advice because we say this in every podcast that this is just educational information. What we're talking about is a 10,000-foot view summary of what's going on financially. It is not specific to you. So you need to sit down with an advisor, whether it's a tax advisor, financial advisor, even a legal advisor in some cases, depending on what we're talking about, if it's your estate plan. Those types of things need to be discussed specific to your situation and circumstances. So don't just take what we're saying and just run with it. you got to know. Now, market timing in general, no matter how good your portfolio is or how bad it is, usually a bad idea because the statistics show that the markets are long-term investments is where you're going to find your good average returns. You're not going to find them in three to six months. You're not going to find them in three to six weeks. You need to plan long-term for that stuff, which means you need to kind of get yourself in an order and work with an advisor and put together whatever that plan looks like. You can't go in blind.
0: Yeah. And so let's go back to the the guy who's uh, you know close to retirement and retirement. And You know, it says, I just, I can't afford to lose a lot. So let's say he's got 200,000. I'm just going to use that simple number. And markets dropped 30%. So he just lost 60,000. So he's down to 140,000. He's in a complete panic mode because he says, I'll never come back out of it. It does take a long time to come back up. It isn't as simple as gaining 30% to get back to
1: 200,000, right? The average bear market in the past is about 18 months. So yeah, you're not going to go from 140 back to your 200 and Six days. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But
0: the point is, it will come back. In most cases, historically, it always has, as long as you don't panic and do any, you know, stupid changes or anything like that. But the point is that if you and then, you know, say it goes to 140, a lot of times people, that's when they panic. Well, you got to turn my wrist way down. I can't take it anymore. Now they never come back up, right? Right, So that, you've locked in your You made your losses. An emotional decision. You're
1: out of the market. There's no earning potential coming back.
0: Right, and let's say that if you didn't make any changes at all, and we knew that statistically that that was priced into the statistics, mm-hmm. that we're going to have an occasional 10, 20, whatever percent uh, decline in the markets, then if you just ride through that, ignore it, You're going to write it all the way down. That's fine. But you're going to write it back up much quicker than if you tried to time that out. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's and it's much easier. You just got to understand and, and have the statistics and the numbers behind you so that you have that feeling inside you that says, I'm not going to ever panic on this. I know that's how it works. Right. But the hot state
1: moment, you know, is still can make it really a mess. You have to trust your advisor. And this is hard. This is hard for a lot of people because this is the money they've earned. They spent their entire life earning, getting things together, getting themselves set up for retirement. Trusting somebody to make those decisions in your portfolio for you is not easy. And I, I, I don't sit across the table from a new client and say, trust me or else. I, I get it. I, It's your money. It is hard to trust somebody else with it. But the reality is if you do not trust somebody with it, that means that you're going to have so much anxiety about your life and about your money that it's not even going to be worth working with that person. You're paying them a fee for you to have anxiety. Doesn't make sense. If you cannot trust somebody like an advisor that you've done your research, done your background work on them, you know that they run a good business, that they have your best interest in mind. If you can't trust a person like that, then you need to manage your money on your own. And you need to do the research and the hard work to figure all that out. But the problem is is that if you don't trust them... And all of a sudden, the news media comes on, and you have this feeling that, oh, my advisor isn't doing a great job. And, oh, gosh, I don't really like how the economy looks. And then you turn on that news channel, and they're going, oh, it's the end of the world. It's all coming to an end. Markets are going down. Our economy's crashing. You're doomed. You're gloomed, all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you're going... You know, that guy's kind of right. Maybe I do need to get out of the market. And you make that emotional decision. It comes down to trust. Do you truly trust your advisor? Do you trust your portfolio? If you do, then you're going to say, okay, I'm going to follow the process, trust the process. The numbers that I'm looking at make sense long term. I'm going to ride it out. But if you don't, then you need to do some hard work and research to figure out what is it that you're going to be able to trust. Maybe it's not even the hard work and research in the numbers. Maybe it's some hard work and research into your own heart and trying to figure out, why don't I trust anybody? <laughs> that might be a much bigger and longer journey than you're ready to go on, but your life might be better if you go on it. I'm going to tell you that right now because going through life without trusting is just so difficult. It's impossible.
0: That's true. Very true.
1: And that kind of leads into our next episode as we go into our our fifth dumb thing that smart people believe. And we won't reveal that too much, but we're going to talk about what does a great retirement look like? Is it having a lot of money? And you go into that purpose. You start going into the emotional side of money. It gets a a little hairy. It's a little tangled mess. And you got to sometimes do the hard work personally to separate my emotional issues from my financial issues, from my marital issues, from my personal issues, from my past and what kind of story I've been telling myself. There's all kinds of in-depth things that you can go into. But the reality is, if you do not trust your advisor and you don't trust the process and you're going to try to get in and out of the market, you're more likely to hurt yourself than help yourself.
0: Yeah, I, I think some kind of coaching needs to be had for everybody in all, in all this, whether it's in your internal self, getting coaching yourself, or if you need to go out to an advisor somewhere. But it's definitely an emotional play. Money hits us right in the heart. We know that. And uh, that is... That it will override and mess everything up. So you got to be able to to block that. Get your
1: get your heart out of it.
0: A good conversation is what
1: it takes. A lot of times. Come on in. I'll have a conversation. That's right. With you.
0: In fact, I'll be psycho
1: yoga for you. Psycho yoga. I don't. That sounds more like a like a scary movie I think I from the nineties. I can write 90s. a song about that. Psycho yoga That sounds like some guy that goes on a murder spree. I don't know if you. <laughs> it's the yoga master that kills all of his class.
0: I, I'll be your psycho
1: yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they want that. Well, anyway, I'll help you. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, if you are looking for an advisor, we'd be happy to help at Fike Advisors. You can go to our website fikeadvisors.com. We tell you this in every episode. Top right corner is a schedule now button takes you right to our calendar. You can set up a phone appointment, a Zoom appointment, you can come into our office uh, we're we're doing that stuff now. Just get some help. If you want some help, get some help. We're happy to be that person that helps you. That first appointment you have is free. It's complimentary. You don't, we don't charge you any fees for that. We really just want to see, is there something that we can help you with? If there is, we do it. If there's not, we find somebody who can. And so we go from there. And there's no pressure. We don't do a sales thing. We don't We don't say you have to make a decision today. We let you decide on your own. We answer your questions and we try to figure it out with you. Because all this stuff, it's a jumbled journey mess. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes a lot of thinking and some a bunch of number crunching sometimes on our end. But the reality is if you don't take a step today, you're missing out on one more day that you could be getting closer to your retirement rather than pushing it off do something now. It's it's time. It's time to make a decision. So we'd love to have you check it out with us, make a decision um, to come in, go to our website, fikeadvisors.com, give us a call, um, click that schedule now button, whatever it is, it's going to be easiest for you to get set up and we'll help you. Final thoughts. Yeah. Just remember there's no red light, green light in the markets. That's an elementary school game. Yes. It's not a it's not a retirement game. I didn't have that when I was in school. Oh, red light green light? When we played hopscotch. Hopscotch. You pr- you guys probably played red rover. Yes, you guys, we did. You know yeah. they they outlawed that game in my elementary school because too many concussions happened to kids in, in oh, second and third that and fourth was such grade. Such a great sport! It's all those fourth graders that were picking on the first graders, saying "Red Rover, Red Rover," and clotheslining them. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that was a rough game. I mean, that game got I remember outlawed. the Amish kids in my class. They were the fastest ones, man. Those kids were fast. I believe they it. worked on the farm
1: at a young age. Yeah, they were doing they They'd were doing workouts. By you, you couldn't catch them? No they were doing workouts did. on the farm at you know second third fourth grade you guys were not ready great athletes (laughs) but yeah anyway so well good to talk to you guys if you guys have questions on any of this stuff there is no red light or green light that's That's to wrap this up we'd be happy to answer them. we'll be back in a couple weeks here with our final episode in this uh in this series of five dumb things that smart people believe and in the meantime have a great rest of your week